and welcome to another episode of the Scholar Spotlight Sessions. In these episodes, we talk to past and present Florence Nightingale Foundation scholars and chat about why they wanted to be scholars in their leadership journey to date. You can check out the link in the show notes to find out more about the scholarships on offer. And today I'm really pleased to have the lovely Colette with me. Colette is the Associate Director of Nursing for Children and Young People at North Middlesex Hospital. She joined North Middlesex in January of last year and prior to joining she held several roles. These included uh, Lead Nurse for Patient Experience and Public Participation at West Hertfordshire Hospital NHS Trust where she was an active member of the National Patient Experience Group and championed several patient experience innovations during the, during the initial COVID-19 pandemic. This included setting up family liaison service to support visiting and supported the setup of a co-production board of the local health watch. She also worked at Whittington Health as an NIHR 7070 senior nurse leader, championing nurse-led research across the organisation. She's worked as a nurse consultant while she was at Whittington uh, for children and young people and completed an MSc allergy at Imperial, where she won a prize for a research project on smoking cessation in adolescence, and it was highlighted as the allergy project in her year most likely to improve allergy outcomes. She also initiated and led the Asthma Friendly Schools project in Islington. Colette was an active member of the Healthy London Partnership Asthma Group, and she was also a clinical member of the ICS Group, and did a three-year tenure on the Royal College of Nursing Specialist Paediatric Forum. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, in 2018, she won the Nursing Times Nurse Leader of the Year Award for her leadership of several co-produced patient experience projects with children and young people and external charities such as Ambitious um, about autism and family action. She also won a National Patient Experience Award in 2019 for a co-production project with young carers. This is in addition to two further national awards with the teams for the development of innovative services, including the Asthma Friendly Schools Project in Islington and Innovative Group Consultations for Asthma. Colette has undertaken a Florence Nightingale Aspiring Nurse Director Scholarship and uh, she attended the Windsor Leadership Programme. Uh, Colette actively champions compassionate leadership and patient experience. She is very keen on supporting the development of the more junior members of her teams and she actively mentors within her trust and is also a mentor for Florence Nightingale Foundation. She is currently working with her trust. This is really exciting. She's currently working with her trust uh, and the Florence Nightingale Foundation and three local health education institutions to pilot a co-produced leadership programme for student nurses. She's keen to ensure student nurses and medical students are supported to work together in a multidisciplinary team, to learn from each other, uh, to have a voice and perspective in service development and delivery and to undertake quality improvement projects. She passionately believes in and champions service users to have a say in their health services and has previously led and currently leads children and young people and parent forums. She is focused on merging co-production, always, always events and quality improvement methodology. She is determined to use her leadership skills, knowledge and experience to positively, inf positively influence patient outcomes and staff experience and well-being. Hello Colette, it's lovely to have you here today. How are we doing? Hello, Becky. I'm really pleased to be here and I feel very privileged to be interviewed by you. 
I think the leadership blog is absolutely fantastic. Well uh, done. Thank you ever so much. It's a, it's a team effort for sure. And um, so whilst I might be the one that does all the chops in there, there are others that are that are helping in the in the background there as well. So that's great. Um, and it's great to have that feedback because uh, we like to know how, how whether or not we you know whether or not people are enjoying what we're doing. So it's, it's it's really great to have you here today, Colette. And I'm really excited to learn more about your leadership journey because um, actually I think you may be the first scholar that I'm having a conversation with outside of my scholar year. So that's really exciting for me. So that leads us on quite nicely into, you know, my first um, question really is, why did you want to become a Florence Nightingale scholar? So it was in 2019 and I was working as a nurse consultant um, for children and young people in an integrated care organisation. And I was at a bit of a crossroads because I loved my job. I loved the, you know, the four domains of the nurse consultant and the breadth it gave me. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sure if I wanted to go down a clinical academic career route and do a PhD or whether I wanted to go into operational management. So I had a conversation with my chief nurse and she was a Florence Nightingale scholar and she said, Colette, do Florence, she said, it will give you the roadmap and you know, you know, how you want to focus your career. Yeah. And a little bit unsure because I'd done an in-house leadership program and I, and I thought to myself, not more leadership. At, at that stage in my career, leadership for me was very much very theoretical and I wasn't really living and breathing it yeah um said to me Florence is different she said it's a bit like you know you're a jigsaw puzzle but Florence will take you apart and put you back together in there and you'll be you know an immaculate jigsaw puzzle as yeah as a result yeah, I love that analogy. You, I, I, um, there was something. There was a webinar I think recently where you were you were were were, ch- were talking and you used that analogy then, and it really um, it really stuck with me. I think that's a great analogy and a great way to describe what Florence does does do for you. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I think the other interesting thing that you talk about there is being at, at that crossroads, and it appears to me that everybody I've spoken to so far who has applied for Florence has been encouraged to do so by a previous previous scholar. So there's that importance of, you know, beyond scholar and that Florence alumni and how important that is encouraging others to do it. I guess my question for you is, because one of the other things lots of people have said is, it's that feeling of um, I'm not good enough to do Florence. So almost like that um, feeling that it's unattainable. I don't know why that is but did you did you have that sense at at all yes I I did because my my chief nurse said to me that it's it's very prestigious Mm. and it's very competitive and they only take the best yeah but she said she said you know I'll help and support you and she did and the deputy chief nurse did as well so I was very well prepared um and when I did my my interview and I spoke to some of the others all of the people um, that had been interviewed at the same time had had a little bit of prep, yeah, and that's things that we've enabled in in our organisation at North Middlesex. So we've got a Florence Nightingale Scholarship Group, yeah, and part of our roles as 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 you know is to ensure that we encourage nurses across the organisation to apply. Mm. Um, chief nurse is really really supportive of Florence Nightingale. 
and all of the people that want to apply get support with their application and interview. And I've had feedback from um, the academy that basically the applications from my trust are, are, are good as a result. But also I think because there are so many of us and we're from all, you know, from all different roles across the organization yeah. and we're seen as very, you know, very normal people that they meet on a day-to-day basis. It feels like Florence in my organization is more attainable. Yeah. And, and I think what Gemma and Greta, you know, want to enable with the alumni um, posts going forward, you know, to make Florence Yes, more attainable. Yeah. To every nurse. Um and I and I think that would be amazing because if every nurse could feel as we as we all feel, having done Florence, um, it would just have such a positive impact on on nursing. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more and I think it's great what you've been doing in your organization in terms of growing that organically in the organization and I think the fact that you've had that feedback from the academy around your applications is testament to what you've been doing and you know again is testament to the fact that what you're saying is that it does feel more attainable in your organization so there's some great learning there for the rest of us in terms of how we might want to grow that in our organization so being a welsh girl um i know that Wales in you know there's some growth that's that's needed in wales it would be great to see more welsh scholars you know more welsh nurses applying and i'm i've done my best hopefully this year to i've nagged lots of people <laughs> In a positive way, I hope to put some um, to put some applications in, and and I have been informed that there has been an increase in. App- I'm not I'm not taking the glory for that for anybody else that might be listening, um, but you know it's great to know that there has been an increase in applications from Wales. So hopefully, you know that will build um, year on year. But again. It would be great, I think, to take the blueprint that you've created around what you're doing in your organisation for uh, for scholars and getting people to apply um, and grow that, wouldn't it, across the UK and, and globally? Because I know, you know, we're going globally now, aren't we, as well with Florence, which is amazing. It's all very exciting stuff. So, um, yeah, I would echo everything that you've said and I would encourage any nurse that's listening to this who may be thinking about, um, applying for a scholarship just do it just feel the fear and do it yeah. um but yeah. also reach out you know reach out to one yes. of us that's already um been yeah. through that process we'd be happy to support wouldn't we um that's great thank you um for sharing that so i guess you know we, we talk about leadership more broadly um again in these episodes so it would be really lovely if you have some key moments that you would like to share with the listeners around your leadership journey so far um that that you know that would be um insightful for them so i wondered if there was anything you'd you'd thought about in terms of sharing yeah so, so I think um, the first thing that I that I was a huge learning for me in terms of my leadership was I saw leaders as as senior people in organisations. Mm. One of the things I've done in my CYP journey is I've done a lot of co-production work with children and young people, families, but yeah. also with junior nurses. And medical students and stu- and student and student nurses as well, yeah. and and with those junior members of the team, 
I found, you know, what we what we were able to do in terms of the projects and patient outcomes was really, really phenomenal. And I found that the younger members of the teams had 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 brilliant ideas. They had different life experiences. They were really good with IT, really good with with the young people. Yeah. And and also were much less um, indoctrinated by the NHS. So had you know, had had different ideas. And, you know, the scope of what we were able to do was just so much more broad as mm. a consequence. I could see, you know, how they were leaders and, you know, with the sort of, um, you know, coaching and mentorship um, and the ability to influence within the, the co-production group, what they were able to achieve. Mm. So from my perspective as a leader, I'm very, very conscious um, and determined to ensure that you know, junior members of our organisation and student nurses um, particularly get the opportunity to have the, the skills and the tools to become leaders and to start that influencing at a very you know, junior part of their career. Yeah. And I think they are the ones that, you know, are on the shop floor with the patients mm-hmm. the majority of the time. So actually, in terms of, you know, what they can feed back from our service users is, you know, it's really, really important and really essential that we capture that. Yeah. And, and one of the things as a consequence that I've worked on with Florence is to develop a, a student nurse um, Florence Nightingale internship program. So oh, we're, starting, we're starting that pilot in January, and we've worked with three three um, universities, three of our local universities that feed into our trust. And the Florence Nightingale scholars are going to mentor the nine students that we're taking on this program. And the proposal is 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 following. Um, the program that we followed as as scholars. So the students are going to have the opportunity to do Florence Nightingale as as first year student nurses. Wow! And I just I can't wait to see what you know what they're going to achieve as a consequence. And, I, and I'm hoping when I'm when I'm old um, and sitting in my rocking chair somewhere that I'm going to <laughs> see some of these nurses as as chief nurses or maybe. You know, yeah. chief nurse for Indians um, as a consequence of of having done this. So, so that's that's one of um, my key that's, um, leadership. That's 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 amazing. I look forward to that as well. I'm excited by that. I look forward to seeing and following um, that journey because I'm sure there'll be some. Um, there'll be some noise around it on Twitter I should imagine and so that would be great yeah. to, but also it'd be great to keep in touch with you to be honest and, and uh, follow follow that journey I mean what an opportunity you're offering there to student nurses and what a great way because I think what what resonated with me great greatly with you there is this, this kind of perception that leadership is wedded to a to a status so as you say I think I mean, I've not. I've been nursing maybe. Uh, well, not maybe. I know twenty five years now. But it's, there was always that consideration, or that always that perception that leadership was wedded to a, to status. So because you're in a position of status, you're therefore a leader, and they and that's obviously yeah. very and that's 
always not almost always not the case isn't it and um just because you're in a position of status and maybe a manager doesn't necessarily mean you're a leader and you know there's all of that kind of um literature and and academic work out there to demonstrate the difference between the two so i mean the fact that you're um having the opportunity to nurture future nurses at the point of entry to the not even you know second third year i mean that's amazing that's that's a great piece of work i I shall watch that with great anticipation so best of luck with that i'm sure it'll be um an awesome piece of work so um was i mean that's a that's a great reflection i wonder if there are any other reflections you have on your leadership journey so far that uh our listeners might be interested in um, so I think um, doing Florence and, um, you know, having my Myers-Briggs and RADA and having a better understanding of myself and my impact on others um, yeah. was really important because I think previously, you know, as a leader, I was probably more reactive mm. and I didn't focus so much on the outcome I wanted to, I wanted to achieve. And also, I was less aware of the perception of other people. Mm. So now I'm aware of of of, of other people mm. and their personality makeup, and yeah. I really try and try to understand the people that I'm trying to influence, mm. and and that has really enhanced my ability to achieve my outcomes as a leader. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I mean. Again, so far, um, even um, others who have done Florence, who've maybe not recorded a scholarship session yet, have all reflected on the impact, the profound impact, actually, for lots of people of doing RADA um, and what it gives you um, and how it does change your um, thinking around others, which is a key shift, a key mind shift then, isn't it, I think, when it comes yeah. to engaging. And you've talked a lot about, obviously, for me, one thing I've picked up on is collaboration and co-production is big for you, which is mm. fantastic. I think that's really important, isn't it? No man's an island and we can only go so far alone and together we can go so much further. So that's fantastic. So to then bring in that RADA stuff on top of that must must have been, um, as you say, must have been a great kind of light bulb moment in some ways um to get that done um and i think sometimes we don't always think about um again i would echo rada and again i would echo that uh kind of i had a eureka moment about um messaging you know how i deliver messages and and that how important that is so um yeah i I would I, i would agree it's a great way to uh have that time and space to reflect on your yourself and how you present to others isn't it because there's something maybe we don't always get the opportunity to think about and it's so 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 important when we're trying to as leaders share a vision and get people to buy into that vision to come along on the journey with us um so getting you know being able to understand them and to step into different viewpoints or different perspectives is is really important isn't it that's really um yeah i know every time i do these these i i i find myself mm-hmm. almost reflecting as i'm going along <laughs> so it's uh it's it's really good and anything else that you you wanted to share in particular or 
I mean, I, I suppose I suppose the other the other um, the other um, thing that's um, influenced and helped me as as a leader and to um, improve my leadership capacity and capability is is the reflection that actually a bit like my clinical skills, you have to work on your leadership. Mm. Um, it Take it doesn't just happen, yeah. and you have to learn from you know the great leaders around you, the great role models, and then also um, have a coach and have a mentor. Mm. And I wish somebody had told me when I was a junior nurse that actually leadership doesn't just happen. You have to work on it. And, you know, if you select people to support and help you, it will enable you to improve your leadership skills. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do have a coach and a mentor and I have in my last few jobs and I find it really helpful. So in terms of my career, I have mentorship of somebody who is, you know, more senior, more experienced than me that can guide me and help me when I get a bit stuck and decision-making. And yeah. my reflection in my last role when I was patient experience lead and I went into that new job and the COVID pandemic started and I felt overwhelmed. Yeah. And I had one of the, um, one of the leads from the um, NHS patient experience team mentor me and she had done my job previously in uh, an NHS so she set in some you know she set some boundaries for me and she guided and supported me and we had weekly meetings and that meant I was able to you know excel in the job and enable change at pace because I could test out what I was doing in the safety of those one-to-ones so yeah. I definitely recommend all nurses, whatever grade, to consider having a mentor. Yeah. And then a coach is really important because that's about you personally and your well-being and your work-life balance um, and, and and keeping well and functioning well yeah. in your job and your role. And, and equally, you know, from the NHS Leadership Academy, we can all access coaching and, and we don't need to pay for it. And you know, I would I would definitely encourage all nurses to find a coach and a mentor from very junior grades, and that will help you um, put your career on track. You know, know know where you're going, yeah, and support you, um, you know, with a roadmap to get there. I yeah, I think that's some great advice, Colette. To be honest, and um, uh, I hadn't really experienced any coaching and it's actually something that I'm um pursuing as a part of my as a part of my Florence journey um and so yes and I can see the impact that coaching has had on some of my fellow Florence scholars um and so uh, I would yeah I would echo your sentiments there and mentorship and I, and I wonder sometimes if people get uh, a little bit no, I'm not confused because I, th- I don't think that's the right word but do they really truly so I what I like is you've just really beautifully articulated the difference between mentorship and coaching and what each one of those brings differently and what I liked about 
um, what you said was that the mentorship is very much about your work, what it is that you do work-wise, whereas the coaching is very much more about you. The the It's about collect. It's about your well-being. It's about your, your psychological state in terms of how you react, that emotional stuff, isn't it? And they, and yeah. they, and they marry so well though, I suppose, don't they? And that's why I guess you're, you're, um, you know, fiercely advocating that people get both um, as a as a result of their as as a result of making sure they be they can be the best that they can be as they progress through their journey. So that's some um, great advice there. The other thing I really liked you saying was about leadership and how it just doesn't happen. That I can see that being on one of our quote cards as we start to pull quotes from our episodes and use them on Twitter on social media. But I I guess again it's a, it's like a muscle, you know, when we talk about skills are like muscles aren't they you have to practice them to get to get to a point of not necessarily perfection because i don't know if they you know we truly if there is anything um as as good as perfection out there really because i think if you think you're perfect it can get in the way can't it of uh, that continuous improvement so some 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 lovely takeaways for me anyway and i'm sure for our listeners as well the other thing you talked about, because you've talked about coaching and mentoring, I think it's a fantastic, and you talked about role modelling, it's a fantastic segue really into my next question, which is around two, have you got two key influences in your in your leadership style, in your leadership journey so far, whether that be, you know, people or whatever, but I just wondered if you had two key influences you'd be willing to share with us. Um. Yes, I mean, I, I think the first one is is um, is a course that I did. So it, I did um, an Athena team coaching um, course. We did it as a, we signed up to it as a trust. Yeah. And it's based on Michael West's Compassionate Leadership. Ah, okay. And it's about, it's about teams and it's um, an interactive toolkit for team leaders to use with their teams. And then it improves the performance of teams. Mm. And there's a structured evidence base to it. So I had the opportunity to train as a team coach. And as you're training, you, you use the, the toolkit and yeah. all of the interactive resources. And you coach the team leader. And I coach two teams as part of, as part of my training. Um, oh, right. the director of HR and one of the health visiting team leads and it, it was fantastic because there was structured time that you spent with the team lead and then they did structured activities with their team looking at things like the team vision the objectives etc oh, so okay. we have teams in the NHS but you're not a team just because you're called a team no you're a team you're only a team if you meet regularly, you've got a vision, you know where you're going, you're all aligned and you've got objectives. And then you also need to know, you know, your external community of practice and how you interact with that and how that's important. And actually, it's, re it's really, really focused and there are 10 clear steps. And if we all followed that modality, you know, we would have effective team functioning, but it's just on the day in, in a day-to-day -day mm. busyness of, of our lives mm. um, in the NHS or otherwise, we often don't, you know, 
prioritize what's important. So, for example, it might be a team meeting. We might not have the team meeting because, you know, clinical tasks or some other emergency um, happens. Yeah. But actually, we should be prioritizing the team meetings and, and you know, a team meeting is essential, as essential to the functioning as simultaneously are you know, some of the clinical group meetings, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. So that's that's one. And then I think the other um influence was on on Windsor leadership. I was very fortunate to do Windsor leadership as part of my Florence Nightingale mm-hmm. um program. And we had some really great speakers as part of Florence Nightingale. And what resonated for me was the commitment of the team leaders to their staff and and also how focused they were on values mm. and how values are in terms of in enabling compassionate leadership. Yeah. So I'm very, very focused on values and I use values with my staff, you know, when there may be conflict, etc. And I get them to reflect back on values. But the other thing is the commitment to staff and also the commitment um, you know, as a leader myself, but also the expectations I have from my leaders. And one of the things um, one a, a CEO um, of a big organization said to us was at the beginning of the year, she put in her diary one-to-ones with all of her staff. Uh-huh. And unless it was an emergency, she did not cancel those one-to-ones. Mm. And oh, gosh, you are so busy and you are so committed to your staff. And you're not cancelling the one-to-one. So I made that commitment that I I would actually, with my direct reports, have the regular one-to-ones. And and I I rarely cancel any one-to-ones because I think they're really, really essential. And my expectation is also from, you know, my managers that actually the one-to-ones are important. Mm -hmm. If we are to and move forward they're important so I think there's sort of um just a couple of um sort of key um key influences or yeah um, no I think there's some yeah I mean they sound like you had some profound learning experiences there and I think I think one of the things that's come through there is kind of application so so there's something about learning isn't there um, so I'm a bit of a knowledge sponge. I'm always reading, I'm always. But what's important is what you do with that knowledge. And it sounds to me as if whatever you've learnt, you've synthesised and you've applied into your practice, so that others benefit from that learning as well. And that I mean, that's a great for me. I think that's a great um, leadership uh, skill and um, characteristic. And I've he- and I agree with you again around the one-to-one things because I think it demonstrates to your staff um, that you care personally ab- about their well-being and about their development um, and as busy as you might be in whatever position you're in as you've just said about that CEO um, so your you know your first kind of thought was good gosh you're that busy but yet you're prioritizing your staff it's quite sad in some ways though isn't it that that, that isn't the norm 
I guess, yeah. but but we, but, you know, we are where we are, and I'm sure there are lots of people out there that do exactly the same. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's some great reflections, and I think what would be great is I will include links to both those courses in the show notes so that people yeah. can go off and find out a little bit more about those courses for themselves as well, because it sounds like you got an awful lot from them, Colette. So that's great. Um, and what's nice actually is the first time we've had anybody that's used sort of courses as, as a part of describing um that influence on their leadership journey and i think um that's a refreshing perspective as opposed to the usual kind of people that have influenced you because i'm sure there's lots of people who have influenced you yes, as well absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah so that's great thank you for sharing that so um, um, I know um, everybody's really busy at the minute um, and so I really do appreciate the time that you spent with me so far um, today and so just to tie off um, our episode uh, you know our recording together I'm sure you've 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 you said before we started recording that you know you've been listening to some of the episodes and so you will know that there's a couple of things we ask all of our guests at the end of a of a recording and so now it's your turn as they say and so the first thing really and I, to be fair, I think you've already talked an awful lot, and and I'd be interested. I'm really quite interested to know if you've got a quote, a mantra, or a philosophy that you try and embody on a day to day basis, so that you continue to be the less best, not the less, the best leader that you can be. So, I mean, there are lots of mantras, and I'm very focused on kindness. Yeah, um, and there are lots of kindness quotes that I'm very focused on, but I think. I think sometimes when you're a leader, um, to be courageous, to be courageous, you have to take risks and you have to mm. innovate, mm. and it can be scary. So I I try to try to break it down and and focus on you know little steps mm. to enable the big steps. And there's a lovely quote by Roald Dahl, um, who's a children's author and I'm a children's Dahl. nurse. I love Roald Dahl. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says, if you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. Oh. So, so I've got that on my desk. And I just think, you know, you know, I can't change the world. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't enable everything I want to happen to happen. But, but, you know, I can do some of it. Yeah. And provide, them, you know, making small bits of, of of a positive difference on a daily basis then um that's yeah. good and, and and you know it's a bit like Florence Nightingale and all of us being you know bright lights yeah in our organizations one of us can't do much but lots of us together you know can can be a blast of light yeah so that's my quote <laughs> I love it I lo- well a I love Roald Dahl b he's Welsh um <laughs> yeah um although um yeah Car- Car- cardiff way i'm sure i can see it. people i'll be having all these Roald Dahl fans but yeah i'll find in fact i'm going to find out where i'm going to put it in the show notes where was Roald Dahl from but i'm sure it was cardiff and it may even um it may even be Sandaf, but i could be making that up uh yeah, but there's a museum, isn't there, in Little Messing, a Roald Dahl museum, which I'm I'm desperate to get to because Roald Dahl is one of my favourite children's authors, along with David Williams. I love that kind of pure escapism, and The Twits yeah. is one of my favourite books. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I bet I've never heard that particular quote of Roald Dahl's, and um, it's beautiful, and it 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 it's actually speaks to the whole stuff that we did recently well as well around imposter syndrome and you can't know it all you can't do everything you know but if you yeah. do little things it's kind of tiny habits for atomic impact isn't it you have yeah. tiny little yeah. things that you do actually can have a bigger impact than just trying to do everything all at once Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. so I love yeah. that thank you for, for thank you for sharing that so um and now I'm really really interested um <laughs> because some of the other scholars that I've interviewed I, I I've known because they they're part of my my scholarship cohort and so I'm really really interested to know what three dinner guests dead or alive real or fictional would you invite to dinner Colette so the first person would be Helen Bevan, oh, yes. who's the chief transformation officer at um, Horizon NHS. Yeah. And I think she's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I know she's not a nurse, even though she was voted, um, you know, nurse influence, key nurse influence. Yeah, 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 she was, wasn't she? Yeah. I just wish I could digest, like, a very small fraction of what she shares and incorporate it into my practice mm. because I just think she's phenomenal. Um, but my brain, my capacity <laughs> isn't big enough to encapsulate all of it. I know. But I, I imagine she'd be so interesting to talk to mm. and, and discussions with and to advise and support. So she's my, she's my first person. Good choice. And then... And then the second person is Michael West. Yeah. Uh, so the compassionate leadership guru. And I've heard him, I've been lucky enough to hear him speak on one occasion live and then on, on webinars. Mm-hmm. And he is so knowledgeable. And in terms of the NHS currently um, and, you know, the COVID pandemic and the effect it's had on, on well-being yeah. and, and general staff. And, you know, he's very focused on staff survey and you know the data it provides but actually you know how we need to enable compassionate leadership in NHS trust and obviously it's much easier in theory than it is in practice because as our levels go up our compassion goes down but I I think you know I think I'd, I'd love to be able to talk to him and you know share my examples and get advice and support from him in terms of of you know how to do things better on a on a day to day basis. Yeah. I'd love to be my coach, to be honest, because I think he'd be amazing. But you know, I'm I'm not sure if he does coaching, but or that I'd be able to afford him if he did. But um, I, I you know I think he's amazing, and he's put lots of you know research evidence out there with the King's Fund, etc. And yeah. you know has made the information transferable, which is great. And then the last person is, um, and certainly not least, because she's very important, is Yvonne Cowell. Yes. Yvonne yes. Yes. So, um, who's, um, you know, lead for um, di- diversity um, and, you know, very, very focused on the um, di- diversity agenda. And I've yeah. heard her speak, you know, when we've, you know, we've, um, on webinars, um about the EDI agenda, mm-hmm. um, she's come to previous trusts, you know, when we've looked at our stats, etc. 
Um, and she really does understand um, diversity and she spent a lot of time listening and understanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the big challenges for us in the NHS. And, you know, I'm, I'm white, Irish. Mm -hmm. My husband was born in Wales, but his dad was Indian. I've got oh, an Indian right. surname. And mm -hmm. um, I'm in a trust where we were a very high employer of um, ethnic minority staff. And, and, you know, it's, I love diversity because our solutions are so much better when we have a diverse group of people. Of course. But it's, it's getting the best out of that diverse group of people. And um, I just think it would be, it would be great to speak to Yvonne and, and hear what she has to say. And, you know, I've got a big thirst <clears throat> for knowledge and learning more and improving. Yeah. Well, you know, you've just, um, you just popped a little seed in my head there. There's something about diversity and leadership, isn't there? So uh, maybe I shall be courageous and reach out to Yvonne and see if she'd be willing to join us on a podcast to talk about diversity and leadership. Yeah. So uh, keep, keep your fingers crossed. The other thing is um, Michael West, if you're listening, um, and you're thinking of getting into coaching if you're not already. I think you've got a willing participant here in Colette. Uh, so just give her a shout. I'm sure she, she'd be willing to, to help out. Um, some great, um, choices there. Michael, and unsurprisingly, um, shows up, um, a lot. I have to say. Helen, I am, I am a huge, uh, fangirl of Helen Bevan as well. Yvonne, this is Yvonne's first, uh, first um kind of mention in the the three dinner guests so uh so it'd be interesting to see um what the, our listeners think but so colette that brings this episode to a close and and really all remain all that remains really is for me to say a huge thank you to you um for your time today and for your insights and your honesty around your leadership journey um and to say thank you to our listeners so until next time it's goodbye from colette um, and it's a goodbye from us and the leadership blog. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the leadership blog where we're navigating everyday leadership. This is a non-affiliated podcast and any views, thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests belong solely to them and not necessary to their employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual.